0: Welcome to the Tej Talks Podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tej Talks Podcast. Uh, Hello to my listeners in Hong Kong. Hello to the listeners in Lebanon and to the listeners at 2 a.m. Yeah. Uh, so today we have Camilla on the show and she is talking about S.A., that's service accommodation, which has been quite a trend lately, actually, on the podcast. I've kind of not really realized she has such an interesting story. And, and kind of towards the end, we talk about excuses and, you know, what she's been through to kind of get to where she is. And I think, you know, anyone after listening to her say these things, you know, will find it difficult to make excuses. So if you want some motivation, if you want some realism, because she talks about the kind of financial struggles of the property and the, the challenges and having to sell a portfolio that she built up, um, you know, it's it's a very interesting story. It's very real. And she's very, very honest. So without further ado, here we go. Also, please leave me a review. Um, I wasn't going to let you get straight into the podcast like that, was I? Without without nagging you to do this, um, the podcast is free. There's no adverts, and I hope you're taking value from it. So, go to iTunes, the podcast app, scroll down to the bottom, leave a review. Go to Facebook, leave a review there, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Camilla, welcome to the TED Talks podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me
0: you are most welcome and this has taken us a while to organize and to get right we're both so busy so you know what i think you know a lot of people especially if they're in the progressive property facebook group will have seen you and kind of what you're up to in your posts but i guess what would be really interesting is before we go into like what you're doing now is to talk about like who was camilla like pre-property what were you doing before you got into property and then what was that moment or that book or that something that then got you into property
1: Okay, sure. Um, I mean, I don't know where to start because property has been in my life for quite a while. Um, so, okay, well, well, I've got to start. So I moved to the UK from Poland um, just before I turned 15. Um, and I sort of started schooling here, etc. And property came into my life uh, at 18, really. So I left home at 17. I started to working for a bank. So I worked for um, for a sort of big corporate bank um, from 17 to 21. Um, and decided my, my stepdad's got a history in um construction. So back in Poland, he had a big construction company. So he built a lot of the sort of new build developments back in Poland. Um, and that company went bust, unfortunately for different reasons. Um, and when we moved here, he sort of started a big building company and worked with a lot of property developers in Southampton. So he did big barn conversions, holiday homes, that sort of thing. Um, so I've always seen him do stuff with property, but he never did anything for himself. Um and it always sort of it made me made me think, well, why why wouldn't you with all the knowledge and the experience that you have, um, do something of your own? Um, so I bought my first house at eighteen with my ex partner and that was a repossession. Um, and that's how flipping houses has started for me. Um, but property has been sort of a hobby and without knowing much about the strategies, we did um, we sort of did the um so flipping on a private residence um, for quite a few years. And our aim was always to get to the perfect house. Um, so I worked in a bank. I decided to have a big change of career. So I've given that up. I was a mortgage advisor when I left. Um, decided to go to university, um, trained to become a midwife. Then in my final year of midwifery, I had twins, um, which just added to the fun um, so it was a very busy time and ended up moving back from Southampton to Plymouth. I commuted for a whole seven months from Plymouth to Southampton to finish my degree. Um, started working as a midwife. Um, and we bought a new build at that point. We so we we decided to, um, a couple of years later, we didn't want to be living in a building sites anymore. And when we had the children, um, bought our perfect family home, which we assumed the property stuff would be done at that point because um, we got to our aim. And very quickly realized that actually the passion is in property. So got trained and educated by another, um, not progressive, someone else, um, and started a property business. Um, and for me, you know, that went well. So um, started that, um, did the buy-to-let. So the money in, money out, cheap buy-to-lets, um, bought five or six in the space of three or four months. Um, very quickly got them remortgaged, got them tenanted. Um we were doing a big project which was meant to be HMO, but because of some issues our solicitors didn't pick up on certain things. We decided to flip it. So it was a big six bed house that we renovated and sold. Um, we did a lease option and then I had a change of heart after a long well, change of heart after after a long time. I was with my ex for ten years. Um and probably the last three years of the relationship I I knew that I wasn't happy. Um and I finally got the guts to end things um and that led to us having to sell the business and losing a lot of money so i came to progressive at that point which was august 2017 went to missopi came to get remotivated, um and i had a nsa on a lease option that i had which i tested um so i roughly knew how it worked but i didn't have the full knowledge um so i knew that i wanted to work to run sa because my my one say that had worked really well um I literally did my course September 2017. I did rent to rent. I did service accommodation course. and I just got out there. And my first deal was October. And I just went one after another, just just smashing them out. And I've set up for myself and for others 15 units in a year um, and became financially free pretty quickly. But I held on to my job because I was scared to give it up. Um, But it probably was six months until I was financially free from the business
0: amazing wow and that's you know that's a big achievement and I think it's an achievement which a lot of people kind of want and a lot of courses can say it can happen very quickly and it can happen quicker than you know six months or a year but I think as as we'll get to in this podcast you've worked very hard to kind of get to that point but I want to go back to those kind of five by to let so where did you get the cash was that your kind of savings or did you work with investors early on or
1: no, no, at all. So, I mean, we've, um, like I said, we just bought this big um, sort of house for £400,000, which, you know, for me, it was, a, it was a big expense down in Plymouth. That's an expensive house. And on a midwife's salary, that's an expensive house. So, we've, we've, our savings went into that house. Um, so, when we did the courses, I mean, the training provider we went with was quite expensive as well. We spent £16,000, £17,000 on a training with them. Um, so, that's all of our money went into that training at that point. So, we had nothing left. Um, but what the good thing about that, and, you know, had I known about Progressive at that point, it would have been much um, better, but, you know, I think whatever you pay, if you learn something, it's worth the money. Um, and they taught us how to seek investors. So, um, I was quite active in the community and that community, not as active as Progressive. Um, I founded deals. So we had some money, so we got a loan and um, we funded some of it via loan and credit cards, um, and then managed to get investor funds on an angel sort of funds basis, 10% um, return, um, sort of annual, um, to an investor secured with Arrix one, um, and did it that way. And then repay the investor once we remortgaged, et cetera, um, packaged a couple of deals. So got money from the packaging as well. Um, that's how, it, so we kind of invested with none of our own money as they teach you, um, which was great. Um. The only thing, you know, when you go really fast because you're told, you know, we're gonna just go and smash it. There are times that you are under a huge financial stress when all your money's just invested in everything. And you think, how on earth I suddenly got these five houses I got to pay for and hope that they remortgage. Um, but it worked. It, it worked. Um, you know, if we didn't have to sell the whole portfolio, we probably wouldn't have been in, um, in a situation that <laughs> we ended up being in.
0: Yeah, and I guess you know having to sell that portfolio then got you kickstarted in SA becoming financially free, kind of a lot quicker. But what what kind of after that you know selling a portfolio that you worked hard for? How did you have the motivation and energy to say, okay, cool, we're going to restart this and and go again?
1: I just knew I knew that the property was the answer. Like I never, I knew that you know you can make mistakes and no matter no matter what happens, you can always start again and go again. And I believed in property. I really believe that it can make me the money. I mean, I was a midwife and I worked hard and I was passionate about my job. And no matter how much of myself I invested into the job, it was just never enough. There was never, it wasn't the life I was prepared to have. Um, I've never just had a job and that was it. I've always had something on the side. So whether it was flipping houses or setting up the business of the eggs, I had um, another business that I started um, sort of midwifery, pregnancy related. I've always had to have something because there's this drive in me and ambition that the jobs just weren't fulfilling. Um, so I believed that the property would make me money. I just, you know, it, it's just, it was where it was. I had to, it was painful um, because at 26 I was in my dream house um, we were driving brand new, nice cars, changed every nine months for another new car. Um, we lived in this ex- exclusive development um, in a really nice area with really good schools. Um, you know, on paper, I had everything that I could have a dream of at 26 years old. So when I decided, I knew that giving up the relationship would mean giving that up. Um, Though, it's my ego took a hit because um, suddenly, you know, I was selling my portfolio we were selling the house and I was going to be behind my friends again in that way, not having the assets. Um, the car went back. Um, it's just, yeah, it it took a while, but I never stopped believing that the property um, was the way forward. I always knew that I just took, I just needed to take, to trust myself. The problem for me was when I was in a relationship that I kind of, I felt I had to go on the same path as my ex, for example, and listen to what he was saying. And I was never able to just trust my own instincts, um, because we had to work together on things. And what amazing thing that happened for me, as soon as I was let loose, it just, uh, you know, the ideas that I had and the passion I had and the drive and the directions I've been, you know, that's the way I should have gone a long time ago. Um, I just, I just couldn't do it at the time. I didn't feel I had the confidence to go to, to make these decisions for myself, um, so, yeah, it was quite it's it's amazing because everyone is trying to hold me back and say you shouldn't do that. It's too risky. It's too much. It's too. It, that's a crazy thing to do. And then when I did it, it's like I've had my success the quickest. Um, I could have I couldn't even dream of um getting there in six months
0: wow and you know i really appreciate your honesty about the kind of you know taking a hit on your ego because it's never easy for us to be like yeah oops you know (laughs) you kind of damn it um so that's good to kind of hear and also for people to hear the real challenges in life and property that you know we're inevitably going to face in some like shape or form on our journey so then you know you've been through this you went to progressive for the training how did you know that like So after you bought by Telet and you saw what they could do for you, why was serviced accommodation and rent to serviced accommodation your sort of chosen strategy?
1: Yeah, so I guess I had quite a lot of property knowledge. And I guess it's something that maybe some people underestimate But you know, um, when I came to Progressive, I've already done other things. Um, I had a big financial background, so I knew how finance worked um I've, like i said i've done buy to LEDs we were just about to go into hmo markets i was really researched on NAD flipped for quite a number of years um so I've, i knew the strategies The i was actually really skeptical of rent to rent when i first heard about it being honest um and actually my ex ended up doing a lot of research into it and saying no this is the right way and i, I didn't quite believe it but when i sort of looked into it more um i realized actually it was a great strategy to me the position I was in, we were selling the portfolio. We were going to end up hundred grand in debt between us, um, from the sale of that. I had no cash. Um, so I was thinking what is the quickest way that I could make an income without having a financial commitment? I needed something quick. So it's quite interesting actually because me and my ex, we, he's, he wanted to, to stay in property as well. So we took very different routes. He decided to, um, joint venture of people who had money and then project manage those things and sort of do flips. Um, and we, I remember we talked about this because we go on quite well. And I said, well, that's going to take you too long. I said, we were in exactly the same situation. I said, you need the income. You need to do what I'm doing. And he said, no, 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 you're wrong. Um, so to me, rent to rent, service accommodation was, it's just service accommodation seemed to have the best income. Um, and rent to rent was the most cost effective. Um, so I just had a I just had a feeling that that would work best. And, you know, I tried it, it worked. And it was just a case of get another one, get another one. Um I was able to keep the costs low because I got secondhand furniture where I could to keep my costs down. I was able to negotiate direct to vendor that I didn't pay deposits um, where I could. I paid rent in areas, um, which which has really helped me um, to cash flow those deals. Um, I, I guess I took a punt. Um you know, the area I went to start the service accommodation in, it was an hour away from me. It wasn't where I lived. Um, I just had a feeling about that area. I sort of knew it a little bit. Um, And I knew there was a lot of development and growth in that area. Um, But ultimately, I didn't know. And until you try, you don't know 100% that's going to work. Um, So there is a huge risk involved. And you're either prepared to take it or you're not.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, take me back to when you first So you know, you walk out of your training. You're like, okay, cool. I need my first essay unit. Talk me through some of the steps or things you did to go from sitting there with no keys in your hands to then having an essay and it making money like for that first one what kind of things did you do
1: sure I mean I'm a I'm a belva doer so um I'll be I remember I was in the course I was sat there and I was on my phone researching um so to me direct to vendor I knew that because I didn't have the track record I didn't have the experience it would be much easier to go to go direct to vendor and to agents um so I focused on that so to me you know what did I know how do I find things direct to vendor quickly because you could do direct marketing etc but that's going to take a while to come through um so gumtree was the answer so i ended up looking at gumtree at properties for rent um i ended up putting posts on facebook saying to my facebook friends at the time i didn't have many facebook friends because i was in the nhs so i kept my profile quite low hence i only ever posted in progressive community because i wasn't able to post on my own profile uh, because of the nhs um, so I didn't plan to grow within progressive communities. It's quite funny. It's just that it was a close group and I was able to be more open there. Um, so I contacted a few landlords that had properties to rent. I put a message on Facebook saying, does anyone have a property to rent? I'm looking for guaranteed long-term rental. Um, I ended up getting one property from an ex colleague of mine from the bank. There were, they had a one bedroom apartment for rent, um, agreed that quite quickly and no deposit keys handed over to me, um, sort of two, two weeks rent free period, um and then ended up seeing my first landlord um so I literally came off the course and i think i had the week the week after the course i had my first meeting was sort of face to face with landlord um and i i was i remember shaking and sort of like talking do you know when you get like verbal diarrhea and you just you just talk 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 and talk just because you don't want to have there, there to be any pauses and moments for him to question what i'm saying um and it was my worst deal 100% worst deal um had to go above the rental that he wanted um it still worked so my number still works but um ended up agreeing and this sounds this is going to sound crazy um 300 pounds a month extra rent yes um and had to pay deposit on that one but we managed to agree six months at the initial rent that he was asking for. Well, he was asking for 900 pounds and we settled at 1,200 and he said for the first six months I said you have to let me to try it um, would you mind doing the lower rent? And he did. Um, that was my first deal. But kept the cost low. It didn't cost much to do. Got it live. And the second one was a landlord um, on Gumtree. She knew what Airbnb was because she kind of played with it on her property. Um, and that was, we agreed what she was asking for um, rent-wise um, and got that over the line quickly. In fact, my worst deal, so I was working with a business partner at the time and the way we worked things is we took one property in each company's name um because i was really conscious of having a joint company um so the worst deal was my ex-business partner so he kept that one <laughs>
0: <laughs> fortunately for you so then you know with these with these essays how did you know that like the areas they were in and you know the type they were i.e one bed flat four bed house whatever they were how did you know that it would work for essay
1: I didn't, um, I guess I didn't. I had in Plymouth, um, so the lease option I tried it on, I had a one bedroom flat and it worked really well. Um, So the second place in Plymouth that I got was a one-bedroom flat as well. Um, To me, central. I always thought if I'm looking for something, it has to be right in the center of the city. Um, So the Plymouth flat in the center worked really, really well. It was a one-bed. In Exeter, I looked for houses more. Um, I thought you have you know, bigger... uh, I sort of researched it, so I knew that you could charge per person. So the higher occupancy you get, the more you can charge. And ultimately, if it doesn't cost much to rent a two-bed property as opposed to one-bed, um, then there's more profit potential um, on those deals and it would appeal to more people. Um, and with SA, you find, you know, I did my research with SA, you do tend to find that two beds seems to be the standard. Um, so yes, yeah, so I just got one two bed house and another, then my landlord from one of my two beds houses referred me to a friend across the road, the same size. It was number nine and number 10, actually, um, ended up taking number 10. Then that that person referred me to number 57 in the same street um, they were all exactly the same houses. Um, and then they referred me to their friend who had slightly bigger house. It wasn't, it wasn't even bigger. It just had a separate lounge and a dining room. So we made a bedroom out of it. Um, just few doors da- that has not few doors down few, few streets down. So ended up taking that one. So I grew quite quickly because initially I just um, I had referrals, so they it worked so well for them. They were like, "Oh, have my friend's place," and another friend's got something, another one's got something. Um, so I went for a stage of not needing to look for any property because I was just given them, um, which was quite, which was great. Um, and then you know, on those terms, you just copied the terms that you had with the previous landlord. So no one was questioning the fact I didn't pay deposits. Um, no one was questioning the rent or rent and arrears. It was just a given that that's what I did. Um, so it's quite a unique nice situation um to have
0: but what what do you think it was about you because obviously the, these landlords were were referring you to their friends quite early on you know they didn't wait six months and say no. mm, you know can Camilla do this properly they just they seemed to trust you very early on so what was it about you that maybe others could look to you know yeah. have or develop that meant that they trusted you so quickly
1: I don't know I, I mean um some of my landlords they watch me online and they say they really enjoy um seeing me succeed um the the initial ones were quite young people sort of my age and a little bit just a little bit older so i think i get on with people really easily um i'm a very honest person i just say it how it is but i think i think i'm fairly intelligent um so when i would describe things i would never lie i would never you know not tell them specific details for any reason i would so i would be upright and honest and I don't know. I I, I guess we got on and I always had really good communication um, with them, um, ongoing communication. If they needed anything, I was very flexible. I'm not one of these people who, you know, this is what it is. And a contract says, or the contract says, you know, if if I can be flexible and help in any way that I can, I will do. Um, So, You know, they could text me and ask anything if they wanted to see the property. They knew they could just they just needed to give me 24 hours notice for me to check with my guests. They could see the property and I guess they could see how well maintained it was um, and the reviews that I've had from guests because, you know, they they could research that themselves. Um, So I I don't know how to answer it because um, all the deals that I got, I mean, I had my business partner involved at the time, but every single property that we we got um, was via me and it was due. And in fact, when I decided to part with him um some of the landlord were a little bit upset that the control of the property was left with him and not with me because they had that (laughs) relationship with me and not with him um Hmm. i'm not sure what it is about me um i don't know
0: that's fair enough i think it's it's a message to everyone to to be themselves and just you know be nice people which we all are hopefully um cool so then um you also mentioned kind of financial freedom. So if we talk about the numbers of SA because SA's obviously depend on occupancy as well as, you know, the amount you can charge per night. So like, you know, what was your occupancy like, I don't know, on average across your first 6 months? And then could you maybe talk us through like, I don't know, one or two deals in terms of how much money you put in and how much they bring in per month in profit?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean they, they vary, um, quite a lot of the setup costs and as I moved on I was able to be a bit more flexible and things changed. But um so I was I was quite lucky. So I was always getting from the start sixty to seventy percent occupancy on my units. Um I started my first ones in October, November, which is now I know is probably the worst time to start essays. Um but actually, they were always covering the costs initially, and then from the from January, um, there were easily sixty, seventy percent occupancy. Um, it got to sort of April, May. I was probably on eighty, and through the summer, from May, end of May until October, I was hundred percent occupancy everywhere. Um, and in fact, I had so much business that I had to give it to other operators, and I ended up charging a sourcing fee to pass those contracts over to um to other operators as well. Um so coming into the winter, we've probably gone down to um sixty percent. We've got a higher number of units, obviously that spreads for the units um but I would say the average is easily seventy percent um which is most what most s a operators work on um figures vary so if I would have to look at the whole twelve months um they started different times in the summer i mean the summer was insane it was absolutely amazing i had a I had a big sort of contract a company who took four of my houses for probably three months in total. Um, I had two other companies that had my houses Monday to Friday for quite a lengthy period of time. Um, And my profits in the summer were easily £2,700 per house per month, Um, clear profit. Um, I was charging four and a half grand per house Um, and, you know, and, and my costs are fairly low. Um, so summer was just incredible. Um, through the winter, I always look at SA, if I get a thousand pounds a month of clear profit, that's what I want. Um, and I'm, I've been easily getting that. January was a challenging month. Um, January probably fell, the occupancy probably fell to 50%, um, but it's picked up since. So with SA just varies and you just have to understand that. So for example, for January, we knew it was going to be quiet. Um, so we just utilize that time to improve our properties. Um, and sort of improve our marketing and get our photos redone and change our descriptions and do all the maintenance that we could potentially do
0: okay and you i think you mentioned october november was a bad time to start an essay why is that
1: um november tends to start the 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 busy period so essay depends on an area and what events you've got going on but where i am in the southwest um is busy probably from april to october um because you get the easter then you get the summer period um it's, there's there's some big universities here. So you get families coming over for the summer. There's open days, there's graduation. Um, development kind of follows through. The, for some reason, there's always more stuff, more development in, in the summer. There's just more stuff going on um, till probably about end of October. Um, and then I don't know whether November is because the month before Christmas, um, whether people just don't want to go away and stop spending money. There's definitely a decline in November um december picks up again because it's the christmas month um and then january it's a low i'm assuming it's after christmas and new year um and some businesses take all sort of you know january they they normally have a couple of weeks until they come back to the jobs um in some circumstances um so SA is seasonal it depends on where you are some places have more seasonal than others plymouth for example is is a lot more seasonal than my sort of other location um and it you really notice the winter. It's more of a holiday destination.
0: Mm. And then um, when it comes to your essay units, how much money are you putting into each SA unit to kind of get it set up from the beginning?
1: Yeah, so um, it varies hugely. So um, I'm trying to think about the latest, um, my latest one, for example, um, I didn't pay any deposit. I paid first month's rent in arrears. Um, it cost me £3,500 to furnish the place um and probably another 500 pounds to to do a little bit of work so that was quite unique i tried to do that one as no money down so i i played on it so i went to see one of one apartment that was advertised on gumtree and the landlord of that one said oh my the the, the other landlord downstairs so are the flat's empty at the moment she's probably looking to rent it out um i'll put you in touch so i got in touch with that one ended up taking both of them um, and so the one below, it was really nicely done, but it's just had tenants in it for a couple of years and the woman's not had a chance to really see it. She's not seen the flat for three years and it just needed a little bit of like repainting, a few things, sorting. And I got a quote from, um, um, from a builder and they said sort of 3000 pounds to do everything, which was quite pricey, but that's what they sort of quoted. Um, I took it back to her and she said, it's fine. You can, you know, it's not a problem. I'll pay that. Do you mind arranging it and I'll pay it. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So I got the, I got hold of a sort of friendly builder. I thought, what if I did some of the work myself? Um, so I ended up doing some of the work myself, like the painting. I stayed up till a crazy clock um, sort of in the morning for a few nights to do all the painting. i got the builders to do things that I couldn't do. Um, and I used the money to help me furnish. Um, so I was hoping it would be a, no money down, but it cost me 500 pounds to set up that unit. Um. That was very unique. But on average, I would say it costs me, um, I, like I said, I don't pay deposits. Um, I'm happy to pay first month's rent up front because I understand that sometimes they're a bit nervous, not, um, you know, giving you keys and you literally don't pay them until a month later. Um, I try to avoid it, uh, but that's normally £1,000 for me in my locations. And on average, it costs me about £3,000 to furnish. Um, so no more than five. I would say five was like top, top where it cost me to set up an SA.
0: Wow. And you know, a lot A lot of people say SA is like hospitality as well as property. Like how hands-on are you with, you know, checking people in, linen changes, cleaning? How do you manage it as a business?
1: So it, it is a business. I think some people underestimate SA and they think that it's like a it You just stick a tenant in there. The the SA, the reason you get such good profits with SA, because it, it is a business. You can never sort of relax about it, or you can do, but you'll get affected. Your occupancy will get affected. You have to I have no systems and processes, so I don't get involved in cleaning and linen. Um, I've got a good team who does that. So it's just continuous communication with them. We do check them once a month. Um, guest communication is a lot of it's pre-automated. We've got emails set up that go out and um, spread out at booking five days before they stay, a day before they stay, at, you know, when they stay, a day later, um, following their stay for review. So every email is like pre, sort of pre-written of pre Um to sort of reassure them and to sort of help them out and to make life easier for us. Um, we've got templates for everything. So if someone asks about parking, there's a template that we just send them. Um, so it's, it's quite, and when I was working, when I was alone in SA, and I was alone in SA until November last year and I decided to employ, um, I mean, I I traveled around the world. I went to, I went to Spain, I went to Italy, I went to America a a few times in the summer and I just worked off my phone. Um, the thing is, it was summer, so it was easy because we were 100% occupancy. So I didn't have to worry about the marketing side of things. Um, now I'll say the, our huge sort of emphasis is on um, customer relationship, and that's how we get our direct bookings uh, and sort of the longest stays. Um, so I have a, I have two staff members now, and one of them is responsible mainly for that sort of guest relationship um, and checking everything up. But it doesn't really take much time. It's only because we're growing um that takes we we sort of put more focus on it when I was working on it by myself I would probably spend no more than half an hour a day um to manage eight essays at the time um in the summer
0: wow and you know did you kind of I know you hired people in November last year but your systems and your kind of um processes did you start them set them up from the beginning or did you kind of go through the hassle of not having them and then set them up
1: yeah, I went through the hassle. So, you know, the course that you do, I say, is really, really great and, and it gave me everything that I needed. But um, without having access to someone um, who's doing it, um, so like a mentor or a mastermind group or whatever you choose to do, you are kind of left alone to work out all your bits and pieces. So I, I wasn't, things weren't pre-automated. I wasn't charging cleaning fees separately. There's, I wasn't taking IDs from guests. Um, I didn't really know about chargebacks. Um there's a lot of things that I've learned sort of on an on ongoing basis i had the you know I had the case of a council writing to every single one of my essay units saying I'm in breach of planning um which I had to deal with, and I had a panic moment thinking like like you know I didn't think this was the case, but so there's I've learned a lot uh, and I have put things in place once I've come across issues um which is now you know when i've like I've, i mentor people, the good thing about that is that I've gone through like a year of learning on my mistakes. And having these systems where they get access to it immediately, um, they ask me a question and I send them a form or I told them what to do. So um, I didn't have that. So I certainly um, have learned on an ongoing basis. It wasn't all perfect and pre-automated and special from the start, that's
0: for sure. <laughs> okay. And so these essay units that you have, you know, you got for yourself, have you used investor money on it? And if so, how did you find these investors?
1: No, so I'm very proud to say that I haven't had a penny of investment from anybody um, or even the credit cards. Now, credit cards paid for my initial course fees. Um, no, I've, I've recycled. I was very sort of strict on I didn't take any money from my SA business until March um, last year. That was the first time that I took my first £1,000 out as director's loan repayment. <laughs> and I was so excited about it. Um <laughs> i literally i did not take the money um i just recycled that money because i wanted to make sure i built um some kind of security within the business um so i just recycled the money that was coming in to set up the new unit after unit after unit um so no i've not had a penny um of investment from anybody um so i'm very Hmm. lucky that all my profits are just mine
0: okay and and was that the main reason you didn't want investors just to keep the profit or was there another reason
1: no it was more because of the um so with working with my ex, ex-partner, ex we obviously John venture partners in, in the business and I felt that it the business didn't do as well because I felt I had to sort of work with someone else and people, he didn't listen to what I wanted or my ideas went the right ones. I don't know whether it's the fact, you know, I'm a man, too, so you listen to me. That relationship wasn't like that, but it was partly like I kind of not, I didn't probably push on things as hard as I, I could have. There were times where I sort of, I said, well, fine, you deal with it. Um, cause I just can't be dealing with the, with the stress. Um, so that was that. And then when I had a business partner, it was actually quite a funny story. So it was a guy I was dating that I took to Mississippi, um, I did, I did the courses. He, he did one course. I had all the order knowledge. I had everything. I had the experience. He didn't really know anything. He didn't do even do an essay course. Um, I, so we set up the first unit, which was in his company's name and he dumped me the day after I set it up. <laughs>
0: Okay. So, um bad experience it,
1: there. Yeah, so that was a little bit painful <laughs> um, to the ego.
0: <laughs>
1: I was like, oh, that took a, yeah, that was about a hit. Uh, but you know what? Well, I continued working with him as a friend. Um, mm. But then again, working with him, I felt a bit used. I felt like I was doing all the work. Um, I was taking on all the units. I had all the knowledge. I had all the contacts. And he was kind of, and you know, and the units that were in his company's name, it's not even like I had a cut of it. It was, it was staying in his company. Um, so I was doing, I just felt so any joint venture partnership that I've had, I just felt a little bit used. Um, so I just thought, you know what, if I do it myself, I can do what I want to do. If I mess up, it's just me. Um, but then if I do well, it's it's just me as well. Um, it's not the right mindset to have. And I know that um, because I do want to do more things and you can go a lot further with someone else than alone um so i'm really really working on it and i'm hoping to do some joint venture projects on purchases um but it comes to uh, trust has always been sort of my um, i've got issue with trusting people and whenever i have trusted people i've been burned um so i guess that's why i don't join venture it's not i'm not greedy it's not that i don't mind sharing i just i just struggle to trust
0: yeah, no, i you know, listening to your experiences, it, it, you know, you, one would be kind of protective of, of yourself in, in, you know, having experienced situations like that. So, you're like, totally get where you're coming from and it, it makes sense, right? And you're obviously aware of it because you're saying it's not the right, you know, mindset to have, which means, you know, it, it will change at some point and, you know, the trust will, will kind of come back. But yeah, no, like, totally, totally understand that. So, and if we look at your portfolio as of today, which is, what is the date? It's 24th of March. How many units was it? Was it 15 units that you have today that are yours and under your management?
1: So I've set up 15 or, or 16, but one doesn't really count because it went away and came back. Um, it's um, But I had some movements in them. So I had to give some of the units to my ex-business partner. Um, so there, I gave him two or three units that went his way. Um One unit had to go back to landlord. So I had, again, I learned the hard way. So I had an apartment um, and a newish block of flats. And I've asked the the landlord to check the lease, make sure there was no restrictions. And they said that I've checked, there's no restrictions, you're good. So we we went running and I think, was it seven months into running the properties really, really well, that that flat did really well because it was so central. Um, There's a nice letter from the management company coming through the door saying that you're in breach um of your lease terms and if you don't cease operating immediately then we're going to take you to court which was to my landlord not to me um so there were these where my ex-colleagues as well from from sort of the, the banking days um and you know it's really it was like the middle of summer we fully booked 100 percent occupancy like what do you do so anyway we there's six months exit sort of break clause banded up giving it back in three months and they paid me compensation um to like to help them out, um, and I ended up setting up a new unit to to relocate my guests. So so that one went back. Um, then one another one, the landlord wanted to run the essay herself, so I handed it back to her. And um, that's returned to me again now. Um, <laughs> bless her, she's pregnant and she's it's too stressful for her. Um, and I've set up and so I've set up a few units and I manage for three people, so I set up three units that I manage for others. Um, and I've set up another unit that they've got the management of. So of my own, oh, I would have to count now. How many have I got of my own? Um, I've got in total, I manage 12 and three of them are for others. So I've got nine units of my own. And,
0: you know, I know it varies from month to month and season to season. But if you had to give me an, a rough average monthly kind of profit that these these nine units make your business, what would you say that is? Just to highlight for everyone what is possible with SA.
1: Um, so it's easily fifteen hundred a month. um I would say the average. So the one beds are probably a thousand, um but the to two and three beds, um, yeah, fifteen hundred pounds a month net. If I said profit, that's 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 easily achieved.
0: So then if we times that by nine, we're looking at I don't know, it, let's say sort of twelve k a month on average, roughly profit yeah, from all yeah, of
1: them. Yeah, yeah, plus plus the management of the others. So I would say yeah um i saw when i've i think when i announced my figures i said between 10 to 15 um because it varies um Mm. so yes i would say that's fair
0: and that's without owning a single one and that's without you know a 25 percent you know buy to let deposit that's without any huge refurb work and it's within an hour from your house um i mean that's pretty awesome like that's kind of a a great setup to make a lot of money from right so um you know, a lot of people in property and in business in general kind of make excuses about they can't achieve things; they haven't got enough time. But am I right in saying that as well as achieving all of this, you're all you also have kids that you're looking after?
1: Um, yes, I'm a I'm a single mum to twin girls um, who are five years old. So they only started school last September. So um, when I started an essay, they weren't in school; they were um, in preschool two days a week. Um, and I sort of had them for the for the rest of the time. I can't claim to be the super single parent um, because I have them 50-50 with my ex-partner. So we do week on, week off, um, which means when, when it's the daddy week that I've got the whole week to myself. Um, so I'm very lucky with regards to that because it allowed me a lot more time. Um, but I was in, um, in a job as well until uh, August, September last year. Um, I worked as a midwife, um, and that means I may needed nights to be able to give myself flexibility and I just wouldn't sleep. Um, so I would do my night shifts, three night shifts in a row because I had to go back to work full time after we split up. So I was working sort of 40 hours a week. Um, and I would do three, four nights on on a trot and sleep about three hours after each night shift, which means I had a whole day to do stuff. Um, so it's, I, I don't believe in excuses, um, and throughout my life, if you look at uh, sort of anything that I was involved with, there's, there's you can always achieve. People will say they can't. They would make that choice. You, you you choose to not be able to. There's there's always ways to do things. Whether it means you sleep a bit less, whether it means that you ask for help, um, or you do things slightly differently. You just have to work out a way. Um, you know, I graduated with a first honors degree. Um, with twin, not even toddlers, they were babies. Um, and I commuted. Three hours one way to Southampton and back for seven months um and I still I graduated three months after my cohort because I refused to take any time off um and people will say that's impossible and actually you know, my degree fifty uh, percent of the time the seven months I commuted for I worked forty forty five hours a week in Southampton in a hospital there um it, it's just so I don't believe in excuses um everything can be achieved it's your perception is how you see things and I guess if you're not used to working harder um then maybe you'll you see it as impossible um like my whole life has been of a sort of journey and had harder bits but I've you know it made me realize that everything's possible and that's what I teach my children um my little girl bless her heart she was saying to me earlier today she's like "Mummy, I never give up I never give up because I know you told me that I should never give up and it's it's so true it's just and it's like it makes it warms my heart because she's five and um, she doesn't really understand, <laughs> but she already says it. And it's um so, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of excuses, a lot of circumstances. And I know people have it harder. Some people have the time commitments or the money, but you can always do things. You just have to look at the unique way to get there. Um, it's not the same way for everyone it's not the same path um you know if someone said to me do property and then buy all your stuff then I would probably I would not have been able to achieve the financial freedom that way because of my circumstances I was dealing with debt and um you know the 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 payments that we've had to to pay for those loans and credit cards that we took for the business were just were killing me um so that was not the way for me so but I found my own way and it worked
0: absolutely and I think it's It's tough to come up with excuses when, you know, people listen to what you've just said and and the hours you... And I'm doing the maths in my head and I'm thinking, where are all these hours, like, that you're getting? Because you, uh, you know, have done so much in such a little time at the same time that it's like, really, you know, it's quite difficult to have an excuse and then talk to you and be like, oh, yeah, I I kind of didn't feel like it today. And you're just like, "Mm, I don't have a choice, you know, so it's interesting to to hear that like directly from you. And I think you also touched on it there. It's like how we perceive things. It's not our situations that are good or bad, but it's what we think about it and how we act on it. Right. So you must have a very strong like motivator or why to go through everything you have and to still work as hard and to push for more. So like, what is your why, you know, why are you in, in property?
1: Um, I think my why. I'd like to say that my children are my why, and they they are a huge reason. Because when I was working and having them, sort of, I didn't have. I wasn't able to pick them up from school always, for example, or you know, I would be I'd be always tired or unable to do certain things. So they they're a huge motivator. I want to. It's it's more. I want to show them that they can achieve anything. Because these days, you see people, and you say, "Oh, you can never do that," or "Oh, you know," you see a child looking at something like. I don't know, a supercar. And it's like, oh, you, yeah, that's nice, but you will never have that. I don't want my children to ever think that. Like, I come from um, um. There's a long story, but you know, back in Poland, I've my family ended up. My, me and my mom, my sister ended up running away from uh, my father who was abusive. So, uh, and it's just, and the whole family always, no one ever achieved anything. And people always said to me, "Oh, you stupid, you this and that." And I was always determined to prove them wrong. I was like, I know that. I can do whatever I sort of, uh, I want to achieve. Like I can, uh, I'll prove you wrong. And part of it is proving people wrong and people who doubted me when I moved from the, from Poland to the UK, cause I was Polish. There was, there was, there was a, you know, an aspect of bullying and people saying, they thinking that you fake. Um, and I remember sitting my GCSEs and you know, I moved here when I was 15. So I had what year and a half, um, to catch up on all, all the GCSE stuff bits and pieces and I remember the teachers telling me you shouldn't sit the higher papers you shouldn't you shouldn't do that because it's your second language um, and I was just like no I don't care what you say I'm sitting so I was sitting all the all my subjects in higher papers and I was sitting English at higher level and half of my classmates were sitting at a foundation and it was their first language Um, I remember you know when I, want, I wanted to be a doctor so I remember when I pe- picked my A-levels I was meant to do um, um, physics, maths chemistry and biology I remember the teacher telling me I don't think that's I don't think you should do it because I don't think that you know you uh, it's just it's just a bit too hard and I ended up going and working for a bank and then they said oh you know that's that's whatever you do that you'll never achieve anything because you you quit education at that point point." and then I remember I went back to school to see my teacher when I said I'm gonna I want to be a midwife and I did an access course whilst I was working full-time um, and we were renovating a house I remember going to see my teacher and say, I'm going to apply for midwifery. And he said to me, like, I honestly think that you should go for something else because midwifery is just too hard because um, there are very limited spaces. My university, there were 23 spaces a year and that was over a thousand applicants. Um, and people were putting me off it saying you shouldn't do it. But I always believed like, no, like, I will do. I'd rather try and fail than not try. So part of, to me, the big motivator is success. Um, I really enjoyed the success. I love the sense of achievement um, and doing things that people will not think you'll be able to achieve. Same with property. When I started in service accommodation, my whole family, they didn't want me to tell them what I was doing because they didn't feel that it was the right thing. They thought I was going to burn and crash really badly. And my mother said to me, I'm glad you're doing well, but please don't tell me about it. Um, And now my mother works for me (laughs) and my sister. Um, So it's just yeah I, I don't know i've always i just always thought well you know what stuff you um i don't really care what people say um i'm quite a sensitive person so I, so when people say things i take it i'd really analyze it and i take it too hard but generally i don't care because they're my, my choices if i make those mistakes then i always put my hands up and i'll go again and i'll try again um i think that's that's just that's just life i think i'd rather do and fail than not do
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I think, you know, you're, you're proving those haters wrong and you have done for a very long time. Um, And it's that classic thing, you know, adversity breeds success. Like you've had to go through these walls and barriers of people just being rude, being haters, you know, to put it really, really simply. And you've just, you know, shown them what you're capable of every time, even better and and bigger and better every single time. So that's, that's awesome. And that's really inspirational, you know, for people who are in similar situations or, or facing the same kind of challenges like, you know, if you can do it, Camilla, anyone can do it because, you know, it's your mindset, it's how you perceive it, it's how Absolutely. you go through it. Um so, you know, you're in a kind of very nice place in terms of, you know, your kind of income, in terms of your portfolio, your kind of online brand. What are you like doing next in property? What's sort of the plan for twenty nineteen?
1: Yeah, so in my, I mean, my plan. Things have gone so fast, and as I think, another big thing is being open to opportunities and just trusting the journey and not having all the details worked out. Um, so, you know, I would never. If you told me a year ago where I would be today, I wouldn't believe. I wouldn't have believed you because um, I never expected that I would be teaching people. So I mentor now. I've got my own mastermind. So I do plan on growing my training side of things. Um, I've got a few things I'm working on cause I'm really passionate about helping people achieve what I've achieved because it's so easy to do if you just do the right things. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm growing that I'm constantly improving. I'm really sort of hot on giving value. Um, so I do want to, to grow my training business. Um, my own service accommodation. I do want to grow my portfolio. Um, we've taken an extra unit this month. We've looked at a couple of units, um, on Saturday, which we will probably take, um, and then I'm looking to into a different area to spread my risk a little bit because where I operate is it's quite a small place, and I've got quite a number of units here now, and I just think it' would be better if I chose another location to grow. Um, so I'm looking currently at a couple of new areas um to to set up and manage from um, and then the deal packaging side of things is really that's got this huge demand, and I think because i've I've kind of inadvertently developed a, a brand for myself um without realizing that I was doing it for quite a long time. Um, there's a lot of demand for people to get services from me because they've seen me give value and talk about things. So they know that I know what I'm doing. Um, so we need to know I've got two staff members, I need to teach them to be able to facilitate all those requests because I have I have so many requests for investors that I've just been putting off and putting off because I've not had the time because I wanted to focus on my mentees and people that I'm helping. Um, so deal packaging is going to be a really big thing to grow in 2019 for me um, and also the management. So it's we've only managed for three other people. I didn't really want to go into the management because I was too busy with other things. But I feel now we know how to work it and how to sort of structure it best. So the management side of things for others um, together with the deal packaging is going to be a big grower. Um, so I would say my own portfolio slowly um, on the back burner. Um, just make sure that I do it safely and then my training and the deal packaging, um, and management.
0: Mm, Okay. And, you know, you touched on kind of your, your brand there that you have on Facebook. So how, and you mentioned obviously you had investors from, you had people kind of approaching you, how sort of vital or important, you know, has Facebook and your brand been to you? And then I guess in general, how important do you think it is for all investors?
1: It's huge. It's, it's absolutely huge. Um, said I didn't realize what I was doing um I just like I said I've I've set up within um Progressive Community and now talking to people said what I've done is very clever because the best way to grow your brand is niche it so go into a niche um and grow within a niche and then expand and like I I didn't know that's what I was I didn't plan on doing it I used the Progressive Community because it was a closed group so I didn't have to expose my own profile um to what I was doing um, and I just shared my journey. It's you know being in business alone, even when I had the business partner, you know we weren't he he was quite he didn't really agree with the social media, so when we were working together for ages, he would discourage me from putting anything up, so I've not really posted much when we were doing the business together um because then any time that I did, he would be quite nasty about you know oh you're just showing off and thinks that's that's a lot of people that's the assumption that oh you're just showing off um. So it was not until August that I started posting more, which which is when I sort of I said it's enough, 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 I don't want to work with you anymore. Um, and I used it for support because I'm in business alone. I'm I'm a single mum to, to to you know to my to my girls, and it just felt really lonely sometimes. So I sometimes I wanted to vent. Sometimes I wanted to share my successes. And like I said, my family didn't want to know. Um, I had no one to tell really. Um, so I went to Facebook. And and you develop a group of people who support you. So it was a huge support network for me. There's, they keep you going. They're excited for you. And then I felt as I'm learning things, I want them to learn with me. I want to share that. Um, I'd be genuinely, I'd learn something. I would run to Facebook and be really excited to tell them. Um, so it has been huge. And the biggest growth I've had is since I've started doing the live videos and doing live content. Um, because I think people feel that they know you more when they have your life in front of them um because posts just don't have the same sort of this, the same value i think that the the live videos or the videos have bigger reach It's more personable um it's, it has been huge for me Without with without facebook i wouldn't have the contacts that i had i mean the the contacts i have now and the access to people that i have at really high level is i wouldn't have dreamed of it um you know to be mentored by robert mark um It's just, I was invited to be mentored by them. I didn't even like ask. It's just, I I, I don't think that would have happened without Facebook uh, because I got noticed on Facebook. Um, So it's been huge. And my, my training business, it wouldn't exist without it because all of my mentees and everyone on my mastermind has come from Facebook and I don't pay for advertising. It's literally my presence on Facebook. I'll do when I've got something open, I'll do a video, I'll do a couple of posts and and that's it so all my deal packaging business all comes from facebook it's all the joint venture stuff that you know the things that I packaged and set up for others that i did um facebook so with without it I, I wouldn't have a business like i do
0: wow i think that's a powerful kind of testimonial for facebook and i think you know, everyone who comes on the the test talks podcast i asked them that same question they all pretty much say what you said so you know for anyone who's not active on it and keep saying oh yeah I should I should post more like just do it okay because like the results will come you know In- being invited to be mentored by anyone of any decent stature is a big thing like especially if it's as people as well known as those two like to have that from a, a social media platform that people think is like for cats and stuff I mean it's yeah. it's huge right so last question before we go into the quickfire round, is there a resource, platform, app, bit of technology that you just can't live without?
1: <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's a, that's addicted. a cheat answer. That is.
1: Uh, it's really, Yeah, I'm not a very techie person, so there's there's some wonderful apps that i think i really fancy and i love and i never use i'm a pen and paper kind of girl um so there isn't anything really special um for sa channel manager a good channel manager is without it you can't really live without a channel manager um and i use a vivo so they've, they've been great to me uh but other than that social media is the biggest thing for me i couldn't i couldn't live without it
0: okay fair enough i'll, I'll let you have that one it's super important so we are now, unfortunately, at the last part of the podcast, Camilla. So okay. um, it's a quick fire round. So give me your kind of like one line answers, unless you think there's a, there's a really, really important point to be made from it, then, then do your thing. So what are the biggest three mistakes that you've made on your journey so far?
1: Ooh, um, Trusting others too much and not doing my own due diligence. Mm-hmm. Not trusting my gut. Um, third mistake and initially being close-minded to paying for education mm,
0: okay and then what would your top three tips for new people be
1: top, top three. get educated it's huge and don't be afraid to pay for it and um, what I've seen to find is the more you pay for your education the more money you earn um, so I am now a spender because the more I spend the more I earn in regards to that, um, think big. Your network is your net worth. It is so true, even if you don't believe it. Um, I'm going to go into it a little bit. So f- for example, when I was invited to be mentored on, um, on uh, the mastermind by Rob and Mark, I didn't think that there was the right thing for me to do because it was a business ma- uh, mastermind. So I actually took four weeks to, um, to decide whether I wanted to accept the invitation or not. Um, and in the end, I thought, you know what, even if it's not the right thing for me, the exposure to people, the level of people that are on my mastermind is worth it. And A, has been great for me. It's actually it's been the best thing that I've done. And, and B, is true that my network, having exposure to that and the contacts and the, the, the thinking that you get, thinking big is so important. So network and always try to surround yourself with people who do a lot more than you um and free, do don't be afraid to go out on social media and show people what you do you're not showing off you're just sharing um and be strong get yourself supported
0: okay awesome well Camilla thank you so much for coming on the Tech Talks podcast I really appreciate it you have you know a, a very interesting story and one that should and and will inspire many people to to take action you know you haven't said to people you know take action go and do stuff but by the nature of your actions it's you know it's kind of a a good kind of pressure that you know even me listening to i'm thinking "Mm, yeah i need to i need to do more you've got no excuse now (laughs) yeah well exactly especially now that i'm the one interviewing you right so um (laughs) thank you so much and if people want to get a hold of you to have a chat with you to kind of you know see what you're doing what's the best way to make contact
1: Yes, I guess uh, I'm going to say Facebook because I'm I'm so bad. I'm not on any other platform really. So they can they can find me on my Facebook um page just um, Camilla Scholek. Um and I don't really have any other pages set up. So it's best to message me that way um and I will reply eventually. Um once people are in sort of in contact with me I do give my number out because it's much easier. Um but yeah, if if anyone I'm I'm very active on social media. I try to help as much as I can and and I do reply to messages. Um as soon as i get to them um so so yeah if anyone's got any questions or want to find anything out to work with me feel free to message me i'd love to um to to be able to help
0: Awesome. Well, Camina, thank you so much for coming on. Thank and you so
1: much for having me. And sorry for no. being the biggest pain that you've ever had to get someone on the podcast. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to say that at the beginning. but yeah, I'll say it now. <laughs> i love to
1: say that I'm the biggest pain in the butt that you've had. Yeah, sorry. Just so
0: everyone knows. Yep, we'll save it till the end. Kmina, um, thank you again so much. We'll speak soon.
1: Thanks. Thanks so much, Steve. Take care.
0: If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook,
1: LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.